We are so glad that you're here tonight. If you haven't been with us on Sunday mornings in the last few weeks, we have been talking about uh, that verse in John chapter 1 that says, the word, and when the word is spoken of in John chapter 1, John means Jesus. And so we could say that Jesus became flesh and camped out among us. He dwelt among us. And that word dwelt means that he camped out. The word is tent. And uh, literally, it means that he tabernacled among us. And so the Old Testament tabernacle is connected to what John is talking about Jesus coming to the earth in John chapter 1. Just like the tabernacle in the Old Testament was where God would be with his people, Jesus has tabernacled. He has come into human flesh and taken on the tent of a human body by way of a baby in a manger so that God could be with us in a more profound, more deep and lasting way. And so um, one of the things we did the last two weeks was we talked about the Ark of the Covenant and how it relates to Jesus. But there is another piece of furniture in that tabernacle that God directed Moses to build. It's a very practical piece, but it also teaches us a lot about who Jesus is. And the tabernacle was a tent that at the end of the day was four layers thick. Uh, The inner layer was fine linen, and then a layer of cloth woven from goat's hair was put on top of that. And those two layers were covered with ram skins. And over that went a waterproof tarp made from the hides of sea cows. Don't, me, don't tell me or ask me how they fished for sea cows. I have no idea. But that's what covered the tabernacle. And underneath all those layers, I, I want you to imagine how it would have been on the inside. On the inside, it would have been darker than dark. There's no windows. No light could penetrate there. The inside was swallowed in darkness. And so what God had Moses do was to make something so that there would be light inside the tabernacle. And it's the first time we get the lesson that God will never leave his people in the dark. He will always be their light. And so Moses makes a light in the tabernacle by way of a golden lampstand. And he has this lampstand made and they put it in the tabernacle so that there would be light. Now, obviously, the lamp had some practical implications, right? Everyone who has tried to work in the dark at the kitchen sink knows what I'm talking about. Light kind of helps you in that situation. Every home needs light. And God's home is no different And this lampstand illuminated the holy place so the priests could see what they were doing so that they could see the dishes, right? But beyond the practical necessity of this lampstand, it also communicates a great deal to God's people. Just like your living room lights communicate something to the people who are passing by your house, that lampstand in the middle of God's dwelling place served as a sign to his people. It's, it's, it was a sign of welcome. It told them somebody's home. And the tabernacle itself meant that God was with his people. And the lampstand to them might be what the Christmas tree is to you or to me. Some of you drove into the driveway this afternoon or this evening and you saw the lights on, right? 
You saw the Christmas tree in the window. You knew somebody is home. You knew family is here. Everything is ready for the holiday reunion that we're about to have. And God's light in his house sent that same message. And the deeper meaning of the lampstand is that God is light that in God there is no darkness at all. Everyone who approached God in the tabernacle first had to step into the light in order to do so. And I think you'll agree with me, stepping into the light is always a wise thing to do. It's wise because light is a source of direction. If you have a friend that's lost on a mountainside and darkness has fallen and he can't find your campsite below, all it takes is the little glow of a flashlight in the campsite to direct that friend back to shelter. Stepping into the light is wise because light is a source of safety, right? How many of you have stubbed, stubbed a toe on some immovable object left in the middle of the room overnight, right? Yes, We walk through like we always do. We know the way. We don't need to turn the light on, so we don't. But someone has left a cast iron block right in our path. That's the way it always seems, right? Just a little light provides a way around the pain. Most of all, stepping into the light is wise because light is a source of life. Just as a flower needs to... Uh, have light to live and to bloom, we need light in our lives to be fully alive. So John says in chapter one of his gospel that when Jesus came on the scene, when he took this tent of flesh upon himself, that he was a light for us all, the last light that we would ever need. The light has overcome all of the darkness that we could ever imagine Jesus is the light that takes it out. And later in his letter, John will tell about a time when Jesus himself would make this kind of radical statement, and he would do it in such a remarkable way that before I repeat the statement that he makes, I need to give you the background of where he said it and when he said it, and that's what makes it something to ponder instead of a verse just to skip over. Every year in Jerusalem, the Jewish people celebrated uh, a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, Our nearest equivalent to this feast would be like Labor Day. It was kind of a harvest day celebration, except that the Jewish holiday lasted for a week. And it was a great pilgrimage where all the Jewish people would come to Jerusalem and they would camp out for a week and they would make temporary shelters that were built of branches and leaves and they would camp out in these shelters. And then on the evening of the very first day of the celebration, they would all descend upon the temple. And at the temple on the very first day, on the evening of that very first day, there was a ceremony. It was called the illumination of the temple. And it was done in the outer courts of the temple. And they would build bleachers, especially for the event, so that they could pack as many spectators into this court as possible. And in the center of the courtyard, surrounded by all the seating that they had made, there were four great candelabras Uh, I need you to think like Olympic torch kind of variety when they march up the steps and they light the Olympic torch. It was like that, maybe four of them. And when the darkness came, the ceremony would begin and the candelabra were lit 
and the darkness would evaporate and light would bounce all over the temple and it would bounce out of the temple. And other Jewish writings tell us that the resulting light was so bright that every courtyard in Jerusalem was lit a little bit. And all night long, in this great light, the wisest and holiest men in all Israel would sing songs of joy and praise to God, and they would dance in the light, and the people would watch, and they would clap along, and they would praise God as well. And we thought about doing that kind of thing tonight. And then we thought about our wisest and most holy people actually dancing And we're not sure that they have much rhythm, so let's just say we're going a different way with that. But this celebration, I want you to realize that it's done in a world without bright lights, without cities like we know them. Houses were lit by candles and small oil lamps. Streets were lit by the moon if they were lit at all. And can you imagine what a great sight that would have been for a city to be lit up in the darkness? It kind of reminds me of the movie The Sandlot when they get to play baseball on the 4th of July because all the fireworks are going off and they can have light for a night game. And it's in the middle of this incredible occasion of light that Jesus stands up. It's against this backdrop of light that he, in the presence of his followers, declares this, I am the light of the world. You think this is light. You think these four candelabra are awesome. I am the light of the world. And with those words, Jesus declares himself to be the Messiah yet again, the light that has come into the world and given light to all men. And I want you to think about that situation. Think about that scene. Think about those words. That's remarkable. And just as God is light to his people in the Old Testament, Jesus is the new tabernacle of God. He is God, and he gives light in a new and more profound way. He becomes our source of direction, our source of safety, our source of life, and his life acts as a light to end all of our darkness. His life and his cross has become a light that leads us out of a life of sin and death and darkness. And here's the greatest thing about what Jesus said. The illumination of the temple only happened one time every year. And on that one occasion every year, it only happened for one night. And then after that night, the light was gone. It was extinguished. And in his statement, what we are to understand is that while the light in the temple may be awesome for a while, it will flicker and it will die, but Jesus will be the light that never goes out. Jesus' light will last forever. And our communion tonight is a celebration of the light, the light of men that has come into the world Because of Bethlehem, because of what happened there, we have been led out of the darkness into the light, into direction, into safety, into life. And we've not just been led for one night. It's not just Christmas Eve. It's forever. Jesus, who came in the cradle, would go to a cross and win the victory over death. And he lives forever and gives us light 
and life forever. And that's what we celebrate with these emblems that are in front of you today. The body given, the blood poured out so that we could have light for life. And I want you to make this time that we're going to spend together a reaffirmation of where life is really found. We chase after life in all sorts of different places. Tonight, would you reaffirm in your heart that life is found in Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, the light of men, and in his light we have life. If we were to kill the lights, we may have done it preemptively. Sorry if you're still getting back to your seats. Statistically, 23% of us would be afraid of the dark. If you're in that 23%, raise your hand. Don't worry, you're in the dark. Nobody can see you. It's okay. (laughs) While 23% of us are afraid of the dark, Scripture says that 100% of us love the dark. This is what John 3.19 says. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. And tonight we celebrate the light that is the person of Jesus. But the truth is that we all love the dark. We find ourselves there more often than not. We lose direction. We endanger ourselves. We give up the source of life. We resign ourselves at that point to death if that's where we stay. And scripture also will teach us that the sure way to wind up in the dark running towards death is to reject Jesus. That's our natural state. Light has come into the world, but we love the dark too much to embrace the light. And so we run and we find ourselves dying in the dark. And apart from Jesus, scripture says we are dead in our transgressions and in our sin. And so the question is, where are you tonight? If you had to describe your life, would you talk about stumbling constantly? Would you talk about struggling to make sense of your life? Would you talk about feeling like you've fallen into a hole that you can't get out of? Maybe those are signs that you're walking in the dark, and it will continue unless you find light. And so here's what we believe in this place, in this church as a body that the only way to find life that will last for more than a night is to follow Jesus Christ. That's what we believe. And those are his words. Those aren't our words. He declared himself the light at the illumination of the temple. I am the light of the world. And he followed that line with the probably the most important part for us. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And the important word trapped in that second part of the statement is follow. Following Jesus means trusting him like you would trust your money to somebody who has made a lot of it. Trusting and following Jesus means surrendering yourself to him like like a soldier would surrender his actions to the commands of the officer in charge. Following Jesus means to understand him like a student who has just had the light bulb moment from a teacher that changes her life forever. And following Jesus takes faith, takes faith that he is God's son, that he died on your behalf, that his sacrifice covers your sin when you accept him in baptism. And maybe some of you tonight have never stepped into the light. Maybe you've never 
accepted the light of life. And for you, maybe that can change tonight. We will be here right after the service. If you need to change that, we will be here for you to do so. The rest of us, tonight is a reminder that this same Jesus who came saying that he was the light of the world also said this, you are the light of the world. He said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And so that's our task. That's our mission. Paul will reword the mission this way. He encourages his readers to shine like stars in the universe. And for those of us who believe, that's an easy thing to do when we understand deeply what has been done for us. God has given us new life in Jesus Christ. We are no longer stumbling in the dark, no longer in danger of dying because we can't see. We are in the light, and so we shine. And so I have some uh, people that are going to help me out. I would like you to come at this time, and we're going to share the light tonight. And... um, We shine the light for Jesus when we go out of our way to show special kindness. We shine the light for Jesus when we do our work cheerfully and with joy. We shine the light for Jesus when we give generously to help those in need. And we shine the light for Jesus when we share about how he has made a difference in our life, telling other people what God has done to save them through his death and through his resurrection. And so as a symbol of our mission as believers, we're going to share light tonight. And as these candles are lit, as we light up the room, may it drive us to light up the dark corners of our world, and may it point us back to the life of Jesus, the life that is our only true and lasting light. It's only in him that we will never again have to walk in the darkness. Would you stand as we light the room?